I think it's fitting that I'm in the park. This is the calm before the storm. Tonight is game seven of the Raptors Celtics quarterfinal of the NBA playoffs. And I'm sitting in the park enjoying the green space, the quiet space, and excited to bring to you a very special edition of the Circle Up podcast. I had the pleasure of interviewing someone that I admire deeply. And in this in this interview, he shares many vulnerable experiences about his university experience and what it was like to be present to what is mental health and what mental health challenges and struggle can look like and the necessity of having the right support structures in your life to make sure that you can take care of yourself and others that you care about. Further, we get into the Master Key System, which is a book that's touched him deeply and that he uses consciously to alchemize and manifest his dreams and his goals and how you can do the same. I'm excited about you to hear that. And finally, we talk a little bit about Circle Up and the impact that it's had on his life. I can't wait for you to experience his energy, his enthusiasm, his heart. Please enjoy this episode with my brother, Michael Honobaloo. In the meantime, you ready to kick this off? Let's do it. Okay, man, I think the best way to start off the show would be to do a check-in. Do you do check-ins in your Circle Up team? Of course. Okay, Team, Ma- team Mango, right? Team Mango, bro. Team Mango. Shout out to, to David, to Daniel, to Pat, the boys. Yeah, bro. We lit. Good stuff. Okay, we'll do uh, name, sponsor, check in one to ten. And then the last question is, what is a, another artist that you're really fired up about right now other than your own music? So I'll, I'll start. I'll do uh, Andrews. Uh, sponsor was Sobel, checking in at a ten. And an artist that I'm really loving right now is FKJ. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I love some of his uh, live sets. You can go, he, he does, he performed the song Tado. Like apparently the video that they captured of that song, him and Masigo doing it, was like the very first take that they did. And they just kept the first take and it's like unbelievable. Watching some of his live sets is really fun. He plays like 10 or 12 instruments. So it's just him creating and developing the song over the course of a few minutes until it all connects and i'm just having tons of fun listening to his stuff that's sick man all right so anabolu um so i always wonder about this but my sponsor i always say Pereira, but i feel like it should be andrews because you brought it's me, me baby <laughs> <laughs> god damn you prayer get out of there because you know why because i i, I looked teasing. at what we did in circle up and what Pereira started with like this next iteration as yeah. like separate things, right? So that's why yeah. I always say prayer because I was like, I guess for her, <laughs> but really, you you set it off. So I'm I'm gonna throw it back to you next time I'm in a meeting. Hey, but Andrews, hey. um, don't yes, you forget it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> checking it as a ten. Um, nice. and uh, yeah, my artist right now. Um, I got a few artists that I'm listening to. Um, some of them are embarrassing, not embarrassing, but you know, I'm listening to Lil Uzi a lot right now because he's just like Ooh. he's getting me hype. Um. But also, I'm fucking with Nas's last album. Uh, he dropped the latest album called King's Disease, which to me is fire. Like, he, he talks about, like, alkaline water and shit, like, just getting healthy. <laughs> I fuck with that. Like, I fuck with yeah. alkaline water long way. Instead of, instead of lean and codeine, alkaline water, baby. Yeah, yeah bro. Cup was, that alkaline. <laughs> he was like, go get you some lemongrass. <laughs> That's funny, I man. I fuck with that. That's hard. We hit the juicery every Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So, cool. uh, Nas for sure. And uh, right now, I'm, I'm really, I'm really feeling Fabio foreign style. Um, Fabio, Fabio. Like I look at him. Like I mean, Pop Smoke was the big dog from the whole like New York girl scene. Um, and rest in peace, Pop Smoke. But Fabio, Fabio has a swag to him. Like I don't even. I feel like he's like he's not even really trying when he's rapping. Like he's just doing it but he's doing it so well for some, like some reason everyone just gravitates to him and it's his energy. And uh, I fuck with that. Like, I just, I, I'm impressed by him. Like you can't take, you can't take that off him. Like he really goes hard and he said some inspirational stuff on a song he recently released about, uh, you know, don't let anyone stop you from what you're doing. Like 
just do it differently. Like, don't follow the trends. And I don't know. I like I like his message in that regard. So you you know yeah. the name of that song? Yeah, thirteen going on thirty. Thirteen going on thirty. The artist's name again? Five Um, I'll spell it for you. Just double check the name. Sweet. Yeah, I, I I resonate with that. One of the reasons why I've got you on the show is you are one of the most positive, enthusiastic charismatic men in my life and so to hear you uh, advocate for somebody else's enthusiasm and energy i will definitely check that out yeah yeah it's it's definitely more street rap like it's not necessarily the shit i have put out but um <laughs> it's sick man so the song's called 13 going on 30 and five yo is f-i-v-i-o foreign uh so two words five yo foreign and yeah man he just has he just has an energy to him like I don't know. The way he says shit is interesting, so I fuck with it. Okay, cool, man. Well, I appreciate the check-in. In terms of just a brief layout for the way we'll approach the conversation, I really have three major themes that I want to hit. Um, the first one is how do we know each other? Let the audience yeah. get a little bit of context of who I am, who you are, how we relate. Uh, the second bit is to cover um, really just kind of uh, mental health, uh, conscious creation, you talked about that a little bit in um, your, your intake form, so I'd love to cover that. And then the third element is really just masculine relationships. What are some of the big benefits you've gotten out of being a part of Circle Up? Because I know you have had a lot. And I just keep hearing praise and praise after praise about Michael Anabalu and his leadership, his communication skills, and uh, how he's being a role model for other men. So I had to have you on the show to talk a little bit about why, why, uh, why the men, why are they gravitating towards you? and how you're making a difference in their life. So I appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm all for it. Let's do it. The first place I wanted to start, because I actually met one of your brothers last couple of weeks when you came over for Freestyle Friday. Uh, shout out to Ian for setting that up. How much of your personality is based off of uh, having that, 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 brother, that brotherhood and th- their example in your life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of me is because of, you know, my family and my upbringing. Um, So I have three younger brothers. Um, The brother you met was my, the one that's closest to me in age. He's four years younger than me. And um, Joseph, man, like that kid, that kid is inspiring. He he does his own thing, like to a T, like you can't little bro him. Like he's, he's the kind of guy that's like, you know, I'm going to do this. And everyone will be like, nah, don't do that. And he'd be like, nah, I'm doing this. And we're not talking (laughs) about it anymore. You know what I mean? So like, he's, He's really a man that stands on his own two feet, uh, no matter what you might think of him. Um, and I respect that. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's inspiring in a lot of ways because he doesn't go on the beaten path, right? Like, uh, growing up, he would always be um, he would always be the kind of person that if he thinks something is, like, you know, this is the right thing to do, he's going to scream about it that, you know, why aren't we doing it the right way, right? And even if it gets him in trouble, which a lot of times it did, you know, he'd get in trouble for getting into fights or whatever, but it was always for, he was always, he was always right. It was just the way he was going about it was like, they're the one that's going to get in trouble because of this. Right. Sure. But Doing he didn't right care about that. Either. Wrong. Not the most tactfully done way. Exactly. Right. Cause he's not caring about that. Right. But he, he, he still has points to that, that deserve to be made and, and deserve to be hear, heard. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's Joey and he inspires me in that way. Um, and he keeps me on my toes. My other two younger brothers, they're both incredible people. Like they, they inspire me because they're just, they're men of their own merit. Like uh, my brother who's after Joey, uh, his name's Toby or his name's Alvin, but we call him Toby because that's his middle name. And um, he's just super smart. Like the kid is just on point with everything. Like when it comes to school, he's getting straight A's. Uh, he was balling for a long time. And when it comes to ball, like he was working out, always at the gym, always doing what he has to do. And nice. uh, always getting involved in like extra, extracurriculars and stuff. I hate defending those guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was one of those guys, but he just does it better. You know what I mean? Nice. Like he, he does it like perfectly. Like there's no flaws in his armor, right? Like he does it really well. Um, he's got his own personality, his own style, and and he's just really smart. He's always looking at ways to like make money and and taking on new odd jobs. He's he's just really level headed and and always really cool. So I respect him a lot for that. Um, my youngest brother, Sammy. Sammy is a G. Like Sammy. Like Sammy's like. Sammy's like the definition of the cool kid. You know what I mean? Like we all look at, like you look at him and you're like, yo, you grew up in the same family. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Kid. We're all just cool like, guys, sh- but like, shit, can I hang out with you, dude? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's the one that like everyone wants to hang out with. Right. Like, um, he, he's, he's chill, man. He's, he's, he's really smart kid as well. Like also was really big in the ball would work out like nonstop still works out nonstop, even though he doesn't play ball like professionally or anything like that mm. anymore. 
Um, but he works, he works really hard. And, you know, one of the things I really think it, that I find interesting with him is like, he, he'll hang out with like, you know, my cousins and like family and friends. Um, but when I ask him about like girls, it's like, he's like, oh, I don't want, I don't want that headache. You know what I mean? Like not to say that he couldn't get girls cause he definitely does. And he definitely does. Like, it's just, his mentality is so focused that it's not a concern for him. You know what I mean? And right. for me, I'm like, I'm like always like, I was always like, yo, where the girls at? Right. So yeah. I just find that interesting that he's so um, comfortable in his own skin and comfortable with what is, how he lives his life that he's not worried about, you know, like what trying to get, like trying to court women or whatever, like Got it. that's going to come of his natural accord. He doesn't, he doesn't worry about that. Um, so yeah, my brothers are all really cool dudes. Um, you and I just hopeless romantics out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're, yo, all three of them are not on that wave. Like I'm, I'm the one guy that's like, yo, writing yo, love songs, writing love songs. Let me talk to you. Let me be sweet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're not, so it's funny. It's just funny how we all do. Yeah. The the reason I asked is because you have such a unique, like I said, charismatic personality. It's you're a very likable person. It's hard not to enjoy your presence. You really bring a lot of positive energy to the space, which I appreciate. And I was wondering how did how did they tie into who uh, Michael Anabolo is? Um, can you tell me a little bit about what about your your parents? Either one of them make like a real big. Do you remember any defining moments where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm successful because of because of these because these these people? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my dad is uh, a serial entrepreneur. Like he starts businesses, you know, does them really well and then starts new businesses. So like he has so many ventures that it's like, it's weird how they even tie together. I don't even know if they do. It's just that he does them because that's what he, he's passionate about. Um, but my dad is like the alpha male past alpha male. Like he runs Ant-Man. like, 20, yeah, like he runs 20 Ks every day. You know what I mean? Shut up, man. No, I swear to God. He gets up at 4.30, 4.35, uh, has his coffee, goes for his run, goes to the gym, then starts working. And like, Jeez. that's a regular thing. Like he's, he's a machine. Like my dad, my dad is, <laughs> my dad is so fit at 53 that he looks like my brother. Like he, oh. he looks younger than I do. Like he has abs. I'm still oh. trying to get abs. You know what I mean? Like he's cut. So Dude, like, that's my a dad, joke, man. yeah, he doesn't play around and he, he does it because like, he's trying to live a certain lifestyle. He's trying to be very successful and he understands that you got to take care of your body, right? You got to train your mind. He's very spiritual. You know what I mean? Like a strong believer in God. Um, you know, and he, you know, he does everything that he can for his family and does everything he can for his community too. Like he's really out there. Like during COVID times, he was giving food away to like people in the streets, like, and he wasn't doing it for publicity. He just did it because he was trying to honor his father, his grandfather. So yeah, he wasn't doing it for his IG. Yeah, he wasn't doing it for IG. You know what I mean? Like other people were doing that. Like he's not, he's not on that. Um, and he's also a man of style, right? Like he really takes pride in how he dresses and he, you know, he's really always put together. He's always encouraging us to be put together. Um, so he's really like, you know, a strong man, um, which at times is tough for me. Cause I, I, I feel like I clashed with him. Um, because if he has an opinion and I don't necessarily share it, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to deal with this. Right. Um, yeah, I've seen how passionate you can get when you disagree, uh, uh, you and Ian watching you two debate is hilarious. Yeah, man, that that's, that's exactly it. Right. So it's like, that's, that's times 10 with my dad. Right. But like mm. uh, more often than not, we hope that we disagree or if I don't agree with something and it's not that important, I'll just let it go. Cause I'm not yeah, trying to sure. get into one of those. Right. We're, we're, we're stopping at the street corner in the middle of downtown Toronto and you two are just going back and forth, neck and neck and nobody's relenting. And there's people around us on the streets, just like, what is going on right now? Are these guys about to fight. And <laughs> you're just, uh, just excited, passionate. Yeah, man. It's, 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 it be like that. Like, I'm, I'm really someone who loves to debate. And I feel like this, you know, like my family, we all do that. Um, we grew up doing that. And like, you know, our, our parents thought that me and my brother, Joey, were going to be lawyers, right? Because we would just get <laughs> to these huge debates. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a natural way of things in our family. Um, but that's, that's my dad. Like he's, he's just a really strong, uh, you know, masculine presence. Um, but he's not afraid to be emotional either, right? Like he's very real about his emotions. Um, so he's cool like that. Um, my mom. Yeah. My mom is really the center of the family, though. My mom's like all the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> real shit. Hey, they are, bro. Yo, they are, dude. Yo, it it doesn't it, like it. It's like my mom. Every time anyone meets my mom, they're like, "Your mom is superwoman," and like it doesn't like it's not even a hyperbole. Like she's truly superwoman. She works like she works like two jobs. Like you know, has her own business. Like supports her friends. Supports the community. Like she's she's 
incredible and she supports our family like 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 nothing else you know what i mean she strongly cares about all of us um she's always trying to make us better she's always like trying to guide us and sometimes it's a little too much obviously you know what i mean getting mothered and you know there's one mother yeah it's like yo i'm good mom like you know what is this (laughs) i'm good (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh you gotta i gotta give it up to her like i wouldn't be who i am if it wasn't for my mom um she's she's a really strong role model she has an unrelenting belief in God. Like, you can't shake her faith in God at all. Um, you know, she's really big on family. Um, sure, Ian yeah. would love to talk to her about God, but... Uh... Oh, man, Ian would not get through. I even, oh. even at my worst of times where I was, like, you know, rebelling and, yeah. you know, like, you know, what, is, you know what, what does this really about. mean in the Bible, right? Like, the amount of time I tried to be like, yo, mom, this is, doesn't make sense. Like, da-da-da. Like, it's not even... Nah, you know what I mean? Like, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. Like, that's my mom. Like, yeah, she's she's really she's really all for it. Um, you know, her, her heart's in her faith, and um, my my parents, you know, their their love is their love is deep. They knew each other from from high school, um, and they moved to uh, London, England together uh, to leave Nigeria, and from there they moved to Canada. So you know, they've been together for for many years, and. They had me really young, like around 25 or so. And, mm. you know, my brother's four year and then 10 and then 11. So, um, you know, it, they they really are like, they really are a strong presence. Um, you know, are they perfect? They're not perfect, but um, I definitely learned a lot from them. And I've learned a lot about how I want to raise my kids. Not saying that it's exactly how they raised us, but I, I want to, there's things I want to take away that I'm like, okay, hey, like this was cool. This is not so cool. And, you know, I want to have my own family one day. I'm glad I asked. Uh, getting to know the Onoblu family is important to understand why when when I hear stories about Team Mango and the Circle Up team, you know, how you've, you just bring such a strong presence. It makes sense that it comes from the bros. It makes sense it comes from your dad. It makes sense it comes from your mom. Uh, and the reason I think I wanted to highlight that is because I know and I have, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm, I'm that naive to believe that every family situation looks and sounds and feels that way. A lot of them don't have the the family structure around them to support them, to give them encouragement in themselves, to help them build their self-esteem, their self-image. I'm I'm really glad and, and uh, happy for you that you really had that. I feel like I had that for my family as well. And that's actually one of the reasons why Circle Up exists in the first place is the reason why I participate in men's programming in helping men become stronger leaders and communicators, because if we can help men do that, then they go back into their families, they go back into their communities, they go back into their teams, and they show up as strong men and as role models. And I think that, uh, you know, I just want to express if either of your brothers, uh, your mom, or your dad ever hear this, to, to let them know that I appreciate the, the influence they've had on your life, because it's influenced my life. And it's also influencing the lives of, you know, dozens of these men that participate in these teams. So appreciate that, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, man. I'll definitely share that with them. I'm sure they'd, they'd love to hear that. And um, yeah, they, they're, they're awesome. Like, you know, even, even with my transitions in my career, like going from accounting to, to music and, and even working in sales and, and still making music, like that, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the support, like even my mom, right? Like she was really big on me going into accounting. Um, but when I was like, you know what, I know this isn't working for me. Like, I know I want to make music. It was, she was like, you know, whatever makes you happy. Right. And, you know, allowed me to move home just to save money and not be renting downtown and, you know, supporting Beautiful. me on that journey and even pushing me now these days to be like, yo, why isn't your music on the radio? Like, get it on the radio. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean, listening in on Ryerson Radio, you know, calling me after and stuff like that. Like, it's really cool. So, Fantastic, man. Well, I'm glad you got that structure. We will get into the importance of that when we talk a little bit more about mental health. But just in the meantime, one of the quotes that you wrote that I, I thought was really cool is, uh, I can be what I will to be. And I'm wondering, yeah. where, did, where does that philosophy come from? And it definitely, I can see how, you know, you're attracting a lot of the things that you want in your life by willing it. Um, can you tell us a little bit where that comes from and how you got inspired by that? For sure, man. That's awesome. So for me, that's something that I've always really believed. Like, you've got to believe it for it to be possible. And I feel like, you know, we limit ourselves in a lot of ways when we think that, oh, this is impossible because society says it's not possible or the people around me say it's not possible or I don't think for whatever reason that it's possible. Well, automatically, you're not going to explore the opportunities or the, the thoughts to see like how it could be possible. And so I've always been someone who thought like, you know, whatever that big challenge is like climbing Mount Everest or, you know, getting to that really like prestigious position or, or chasing your dream or whatever it is, like I've got to believe it first 
for it to even become a thing, right? And um, I was fortunate enough that, you know, going through those kinds of thoughts, I feel like I, I attracted or I was blessed to receive information that, that aligned with that. And so one of those pieces of information that I discovered in, in 2011 was this book called The Master Key System. And it was written by this guy named Charles F. Hanel in the, set, in the 18th century. And in this book was like all the thoughts and philosophies that I'd always kind of like really felt were, were real things for me, just distilled in a very organized and clear and thought-provoking way. Okay. Um, so the way this book is, is set up is it's, it's actually meant to be like a, a correspondence course. So you get a chapter a week and then you do the activities at the end of the chapter and then you master them and then you get the next chapter and start those activities. Um, and so I read this book. I didn't, it took me until 2015 to actually finish the book and doing it properly, like week by week. Okay. Um, but uh, it was incredible. And so one of the quotes in that book, I think it's in like chapter three, is that where it talks about, um, you know, I can be what I will to be. And the idea really being that everything that we do, everything that we see around us, like these buildings, these structures, the society, the organization, like all of it comes from within. All these things come from within our thoughts first. And then from those thoughts, they materialize into actions. Mm-hmm. And then we manifest the, the resources that we need um, once we start taking those actions and having those thoughts, right? And so that's reflected in a lot of my music too, where it's like, yo, we just have to change the way we're thinking about shit and the way we're talking about stuff. And then we'll change the way we're acting about stuff. And from there, we change our society, right? And so- um, Love that. Is, yeah, man. Like this book is, is mind blowing in that way where it just, it takes the power and says like, it's not external. It's not about, you know, how much power or strength you physically have. That doesn't define what a successful person will become because if it did, then only the strongest people would be successful, which is not the case, right? And so it, it really takes it back to, you know, this is really a spiritual endeavor and thought and mental processes are spiritual activities, right? So what we're, what we're telling ourselves or allowing ourselves to think actually determines how our life will go. Got and it. so if we realize that whatever we want, whatever positive things that we want in our lives, if we keep those things as the thoughts that are predominant and permeate our predominantly thought and permeate our thoughts, these will be the things that we manifest, right? Mm. And manifestation really just being the things that we take action on and the things that come to us as we take more of those actions, which just makes sense because if you're, if you're going in a certain direction, people will notice, right? You're going my yeah. way. Well, let me see what's over, what you're heading towards or why are you sure. heading for it? Start coming towards you. Right? So um, it's interesting. It's, it's similar to some of the things that James Allen talks about. Um, yeah, as a man think it, I was going to say, it reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar thought processes, um, very similar kind of teaching style. Um, but I just, I really like the Master Key System. I always tell people to read it. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah. the book's The Master Key System, and it's yeah. almost like a workbook. Got it. Yeah, in a sense. So uh, the, the way the activities work, so I'll give you an example. Like the first chapter, we'll talk about, okay, once you've read how the ideology works and, and you know, a lot of the terms, I can't, I can't do it justice. Just trying what their philosophy is. But yeah, once you read a bit of like whatever the first chapter's philosophy is, the activity at the end of the first chapter is like sit in a room for 15 minutes and don't move. Right. And the idea being learn to control your body. Right. Like if you have an itch, do not scratch the itch. Right. Like teach your body that you consciously are in control of what is happening subconsciously. Right. Mm -hmm. You're in control of your, your physical movements. You don't need to twitch. You don't need to scratch. You don't need to get up and walk around because you're bored. You don't need or, to check your you know, phone. You don't need to check your phone. Exactly. Just sit there, right? And then once you've mastered that, you can go 15 minutes without moving. Now read chapter two, right? Interesting. And then chapter two will be like, okay, now control your thoughts, right? Don't let any thoughts in, right? And it's like, that's probably one of the hardest things in meditation. Like, oh, what? Don't think? It's not saying don't think. It's just saying clear your mind for as long as possible. And if you do that for up to 15 minutes, you've now gained mastery of your mind, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. you, you've, you've decided like, I'm not going to think, and I'm not going to like be at the well or whim of like my subconscious just wants to throw random shit in there. I'm just going to sit there and, and tell myself like, no, I'm not thinking. And I'm going to just remove that element from, from what's happening within my mind because my mind is actually my play field. It's mine. Mm-hmm. I, I control it. Um, and obviously things are fed in through the subconscious, but that's as a result of past memories, past activities, past ways of being right so you're creating a new way of being for yourself going forward great so it sounds like the system is progressive over time once you've completed a specific challenge that'll test you you'll be prepared to move on to the next one i really i like that learning style i think that it's it requires you to be engaged i think it requires you to pay attention i think it requires you to want 
to study, to want to improve, to have a burning desire to get better in your life. So I like the active participation and I'm happy that it's made such a big difference for you, man. When you mentioned um, controlling your thoughts and controlling the way you think about it, the way you look at it, the way you talk about it, it really reminds me of the work that we do at jack.org, which is a mental health education for youth across Canada. Our goal is to change the way that youth look, talk, and feel about mental health. And the way that we do that is, is, is through education. So we give them a context, which is everybody has mental health, right? It doesn't matter uh, your background, your race, your, your religion, your social economic position. Everyone has mental health and some people struggle. And if you are struggling, these are the types of things you could do about it. And this is how you can take care of yourself. When, you, when we come from the place of like, I don't know if I have mental health or it's somebody else's issue or somebody else's mental health, but not me, then it makes it... Uh, our understanding where we're communicating from a different place and, and challenging to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, I feel like that's, that's speaking to the idea of stigma, right? Because mental health has become such a buzzword that it feels like it's synonymous with illness, which it's not. It just means that, you know, we have a health within our mind that we have to cultivate. Right. Mm. And everyone's on different, you know, different uh, positions on the spectrum of, you know, how healthy is your mind. Right. But it's something you always work towards just like physical health. Like, it doesn't just end one day like, oh, I'm in perfect health and now I'm good. Like, you know, I couldn't agree more. Right. So you've got to always be working on on tending to your, your mental health, just like you tend to your physical health or your spiritual health. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I think we got to re reframe the conversation around what mental health means and how it applies to everyone. And it's not a bad thing. It just means that we're working on it. Right. Mm. Yeah. In, in our education, we talk about mental health being thoughts, feelings and behaviors. And so everybody has mental health, but not everybody has mental illness. And we mm -hmm. discussed the difference between the two, uh, meaning that everyone has thoughts, everyone has feelings, everyone has behaviors. And so what we're paying attention to is changes in what would be considered normal for us. So as an example, if I show up every day to work on time, and then all of a sudden my behavior is I'm showing up 30 minutes um, late for work, or I'm you know disheveled, I'm not taking care of my physical health, and you know, I smell bad, I'm taking a shower in a couple of days. All that is, is it's not good or bad. It's a change in the behavior. And so other people can pay attention and say, maybe something's going on that's worth looking at. Um, you know, Jonathan may be stressed. Jonathan may be struggling. Um, and, and that's how we differentiate is thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. The easiest one to pay attention to is a difference in behavior pattern. And so I can pay attention to you and you can pay attention to me and I can pay attention to myself. And then we can take care of ourselves that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to describe it, right? Like it's it's not to say that, um, you know. I mean, obviously, there's there's things that can be concerning about a person's behavior, um, but it's really about you know how do how do we approach it in a way where it's like it's not shaming anybody or making them feel down about what they're going through. It's just that hey, we got to work on this. Just like if you were sick, right? Like if you mm. your stomach's hurting, no, I I don't think anyone would want you to feel shame that your stomach's hurting. We would just want to know, okay, how can we help you with your stomach? How do we make this easier for you? How do we lighten your load so that you can address what's happening with your stomach, right? Yeah, there's no stigma around physical health. I mean, in fact, we have, we have professionals where if you're struggling with your physical health, this is exactly who you go to. And the stigma is, is completely flipped on its head where if you're struggling with your mental health, people don't want to tell anyone. They don't want anyone to know. They don't know where to go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, I think the challenge is that it's, it's more of an unknown, right? Um, which makes it scary, at least from a, from a public perspective, in terms of everyone knowing, you know, what to do in these kinds of situations. Like, I feel like, you know, with physical health, we all know, okay, go to your doctor. That's fine. Everyone goes to the doctor. It's, you know, get a checkup, get them to review you. Um, they can look at it. They can diagnose it really quickly and, and you can go on. But with mental health, it's so much more um, invisible in a sense, in, 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 in ways that are not uh, di like a bit dissimilar from physical health, um, that it's, it's, it's more challenging to kind of get it right. And I think that, you know, it's scary because I can't see inside your head, right? So I don't know when you say that you're not well, like, I don't know what that means. And what does that mean for me, right? Like, how will that impact me? How will that impact maybe the work I need you to do or our relationship? Um, it, it, it builds fear, right? And I feel like that's where talking about it and gaining more understanding and education around it really does alleviate the stress and concern that goes along with mental health and mental illness because it allows us to say, okay, well, no, I do have tools for this. There are resources for this. This is normal, right? Um, and it's not something that we should be afraid of. That's very well said. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I'll even 
piggyback on top of that and build a little bit further when it comes to mental health one of the other challenges around stigma is is we don't talk about it and so this is a great opportunity one of the reasons we go into schools is to educate change the way they look at it but to tell our own stories and to say hey you know what we've gone through this if this is something you're experiencing or your own unique version of what any of the you know we have uh, across jack.org there's over 250 sorry there's a there's over 2,500 delegates who go into schools and educate and share their stories. And so I was wondering, would you be open-minded to talking a little bit about your experience in university? Um, when I go to schools, I talk about high school. It was a real tough transition for me. Uh, through our discussions, you mentioned that, that university was kind of that, that spot where you lost your footing a little bit, um, you know, weren't really sure what your next steps were and that had impacted your mental health. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I will start by saying that, you know, it's not something that's kind of just like university and then it wrapped and concluded. It's something that I struggle with, um, you know, since discovering it in university, but to this day, right, I still take medication and I still meet with my psychiatrist and, you know, have support systems and, you know, family check-in and all that kind of stuff. Um, even my girlfriend, you know, just monitoring me to make sure that, you know, if they notice any changes in my behavior or anything like that, that it's communicated so I can, you know, address it right away. Um, yeah, they don't just say, hey, you're being an asshole. They say, hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, you know, something about your medication or how you feeling? Like, you, you weren't acting this way two weeks ago. Yada, 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 right? Um, and then it's, you know, it's, it's my opportunity to be like, you know what, I appreciate that. Um, as hard as that is for me, let me talk to my psychiatrist and, you know, get some feedback and, and learn more, right? Um, but it's good because it's better than how I used to handle it. And going back to university, when I first had my first, um, like, uh, breakdown, I, uh, I didn't know what was going on. Um, <clears throat> And just to give you a bit more context on the story, I was, uh, I was going into third year and um, <clears throat> I had, uh, I had spent, I had spent, the, that was my first summer going into third year where I had worked uh, my co-op job in accounting and it was really intense. And um, I had spent the summer really like trying to stress relief by, uh, I was smoking a lot of weed um, and I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, I was kind of new to the experience of weed. I'd never really done that, but I was dependent on it. Um, because I just, I, I, I couldn't, I was managing something that was new for me. Yeah, um, it was in control. It was definitely in control. So, um, but I was going into third year and I had, I had been accepted as a, a Don. Um, so I'd be looking over res cool. life students. Uh, a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. I was excited for it, but I was nervous. And um, there was a strict policy, like zero drug policy, like, you know, for the students. So you can imagine how I felt as a, an incoming Don, like, you know, students aren't even allowed to do this and I'm doing it, right? Um, and so I remember thinking, okay, I'm just going to quit cold Turkey. I'm you yeah, know, going to get ready for that, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get ready for Don's training. I'm just going to kill it and, and just have a great year. Cause I was, I was doing a lot of different extracurriculars on campus and I was getting recognition for it. And I was already interested in, in running for, you know, student union president because I felt like I'd be a good fit and I'd always look up to the person since first year. So, um, going into, into that Don's training, I quit smoking cold turkey. I had come from a, a co-op job that had ended like literally the same day or the day before going into Don's training. So I hadn't prepared anything, even though they had been sent like a huge binder of things to go through. I wasn't ready for my students. I wasn't ready for the training. And I was dealing with, you know, going through all this rigorous programming that was talking about things like mental health and what to do if your students are facing challenges that felt like it was being applied to me because I was so stressed out. I didn't have the coping mechanism of, of weed anymore. I was having issues with my ex-girlfriend or my, my girlfriend at that time. And, um, you know, she was going through things, her family was going through things. I was usually there for her, but in this situation, I really wasn't. Mm. And um, I just, I just, I just started kind of breaking down. And there was one day, it was the day before our students were meant to arrive that I, I kind of, I really felt like a pop. Like I felt like I popped out of it. I had like an epiphany of a thought and I had written something and I felt better. And then I realized, I looked around and I'm like, man, I haven't showered or brushed my teeth in like a couple of days. And I was like, holy shit, like what I haven't eaten. So then I, I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some food. And I, I went out in like flip-flops. It's like September and like it's breezy and I'm wearing like a, like a tank top and flip-flops. And, you know, people were on the street are kind of looking at me and I'm kind of feeling weird. And I'm just like trying to go get something at 7-Eleven. Then I go to Starbucks, can't decide on what I want. And then I start walking back to campus because I'm just like, I, I just got to get out of here. And my ex-girlfriend sees me and she's like, hey, are you okay? Like, you know, you don't look well. Like, you know, maybe you should just quit. Like, you know, if this is too much for you, just, you know, like drop it. And I was like, I didn't know what to say. So I was just like, yeah, okay, sure. Because I, I really 
I was past wit's end. I didn't know what was going on really. And That's so I went back. To, it was abrupt. And so I went back and to my. Your, your decision-making is clearly muddied and, um, you, you know, the inside of your mind is chaotic right now. You just got yeah. I'm sure, a thousand different voices. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I didn't really know. And she seemed like she was offering a really easy answer. So I was like, let's do that. So I went um, to my res life coordinator. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. She's like, are you sure? Like, this is, we're starting tomorrow. Like, you know, you put all this work in also. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. So I went inside and I don't know who called my friends and my friends all showed up and they started helping me move my stuff out of residence. And my residence team leader came and pulled me into like a broom closet and was like, what's going on with you? And I felt in that moment, and this is where I feel like I messed up, but I felt in that moment that I should just tell them like, hey, honestly, I'm really stressed out. I was smoking weed all summer and, um, you know, I feel like I'm not ready for this. You know, I didn't get a chance to prepare. Um, just, you know, be really upfront and just talk about it. But my yeah. fear of like, you know, just the whole idea of like a zero drug policy and the stigma around smoking weed as a, as a Don, um, all that stuff was playing through my head. And I didn't, I didn't know how to be honest. I was just so scared. And I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm having like issues with my dad. And mm -hmm. I feel shame and guilt about it to this day because I, I blame my dad for something that we were fighting. We were going through our issues, but he wasn't the source of why I was actually going through what I was going through in that moment. Um, but in that moment, when I said that, I felt a pop and I felt like I like, you know, fell from grace. And I, I just, I just started hearing voices and, you know, I thought my, I thought the police were after me. I thought the police were after my friends. Yeah, you I became was, paranoid. I became super paranoid. I was hearing all these voices I, I went and called, like, tried to call the police, um, and, you know, the uh, special constables came. They were like, you know, what's going on? I didn't even know what to say. I was like, let go of my friends, like, leave my friends alone. And they were just like, hey, you're coming with us. Put me in the car, um, and we drove to, uh, to Grand River Hospital, and I was um, triaged, and my girlfriend showed up, my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time showed up with her friend, who was a friend of mine, and they were there, and they waited for me, and I went into triage, and they said, you're going through a crisis. And when they said that, I Sounds was like, like I was like, what? Like, I don't even know what that means. I didn't even know if that's what this was. I didn't know what this was. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And so they, they admitted me. My mom showed up. My mom was freaking out. She was angry at my, my ex-girlfriend because um, she was like, how, how, could you, how could you know that he was smoking weed and not tell me? And all this stuff. There was a lot of blame around, around, around weed and, and, and how that was a, a cause of this. And um, there was a lot of like, you know, just fear and anxiety and, you know, what's going to happen to me and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was there for a few days and they told me that uh, I should be okay just to go home and rest and uh, take some time to just, you know, don't worry about anything. Um, and so I did, I went home with my mom, but I quickly felt like I couldn't just sit around um, and I wanted to go back to school. So, um, you know, I, I did, um, even though it was like, you know, recommended I just chill. Um, and I went back to school. I, I, I didn't go back as a Don. I, I left that. Um, yeah. But I was, I was just in school. I found a place on campus or off campus. And um, I tried that for a few months and then had another breakdown. And um, then I was hospitalized for a longer time um, for about a couple months. And that was the beginning of um, what would then be diagnosed, you know, a few different times to, to present day. Um, but uh, it was, it was a long journey. Like it was a lot of me, uh, rebelling against what I thought was not right and not accurate about what was happening to me just because what I was experiencing, what, you know, the doctors or different people were telling me I was experiencing was not in my mind congruent because I was hearing like full on people talking, like having conversations, um, you know, thinking like, you know, I don't know, like I could see what was reality in front of me, but I was also experiencing another layer of reality that I'd never experienced before. And I just wanted to understand what that was. Mm. Um, by nature, I'm a very curious person. Like, I, if, I, if I could do it again, I'd probably go into the sciences. And, I, you know, I love discovery. I love understanding how things work. And this was something that I could just never understand how it works. And to this day, I, I, you know, I still find curiosity and like, you know, what does it all mean? But there's no answers, right? Like, no one knows what this stuff means. They just know that it's not healthy, right? Like, you, this is not what everyone else experiences as reality. Um, but for me, I just wanted to know what it means. Like, where does it come from? How is it happening? Why is it happening? Um, so for me, it was, it was more interesting than my, my you know, quote unquote, real life. Um, mm. And so it became a, a, an extra layer of, of challenge and, and intrigue that, you know, I had to deal with on top of dealing with what we all experience as regular reality. 
Um, and that's just always been my, my battle since then. A couple of things I want to point out, and, and, but I think it's first and foremost appropriate to thank you for your vulnerability, Mike, and for sharing. I know that's not an easy story to tell. Um, you know, I probably the first dozen times that I told my mental health journey, it was uh, challenging. And most of the time it was in front of high school students. So they're, you know, they're, they're not always the, the nicest folk. They got their own stuff going on, but I do appreciate you sharing. Um, that helps to normalize this conversation around mental health. And I will point out that you mentioned that they said on, uh, with you in the hospital that you were in a crisis. And I think it's important to point that out because we do talk about that in our mental health education training and where we talk about a, a crisis is when you're at risk of harming yourself or someone else. And I think people would, would think to themselves, you know, I would never, I would never commit suicide. I would never hurt myself like that. I would never hurt someone else. But in those moments, you do not have the mental faculties of reason it's uh, irrational and unreasonable and you're not thinking like you are today or like you are um, which at the when you're at the job, you know, it's, it is literally a crisis. And so anything could happen. And so what we teach is to call emergency resources. So you did unconsciously what the best thing for you to do in that situation of being in crisis was, was to get professional resources um, involved to support you. If I had a heart attack right now and I passed out on the floor, you'd probably call 911 and try to figure out where the hell I was, start screaming. Um, you know, we would do the same thing when someone's with a mental health crisis. So I just want to acknowledge that it was uh, consciously or unconsciously, you did the right thing to take care of yourself in that way. And that's the first thing is a crisis is not something that is rational. It is something that is irrational. And uh, the best way to deal with it is to have professionals around you. So yeah. glad you have that support. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And to be honest with you, like, it's, it is hard to talk about. Like, it, I, in one way, it's very freeing to just acknowledge that, you know, this is what I've gone through. And this is uh, part of my daily struggle. Um, but another way, it's very scary, right? Because of that very idea that people could look at me as a risk, right? Like, because I, in my mind, I would never hurt anyone. And I would never hurt myself, right? Mm -hmm. Not to say that people don't go through that where they feel like, you know, you know, you know, they consider these kinds of things. And not to belittle anyone who does that. Like, I understand that, you know, life is challenging and you never know what's going on in those kinds of moments. Um, but for me, it's, it's scary because, you know, I do think about public perception. I do think, especially as someone who wants to be an artist and, you know, live on the public forum, I don't want people to feel scared to be around me. Um, but, you know, I do live with that on a daily basis where I'm like, you know, I've had relationships or I've had um, the breakdown of relationships because, and not because it's been said outwardly, but I can feel it's like, well, you've seen me in, you know, a crisis moment or, or a moment where I, I was, I was going through something that I can't explain. And as a result, our relationship is, 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 uh, uh, you know, is estranged. Um, and it's hard because I, I don't always know how to come back from that. So I think part of it is acknowledging it and finding a way to talk about it, but it is difficult um, to, to express that and to, um, deal with, I guess, the repercussions of that, um, especially not having answers and, and not being able to explain why things were done the way they were done. Like in those moments, I definitely feel like I have a lot of clarity for the present, but when I look back on them, it's, it's so much mm. foggy. I understand what was going on and what was my, my, my train of thought that led me to do this or that. Um, but I, I guess it hurts because I, I would never want anyone to think that I would want to hurt them or myself because I'm, I'm someone who really believes in peace and love is like the forefront of how we evolve as a species. I know um, that about you. Yeah, but it, it's like, what do I do now when, you know, people are scared as a result of something that I can't explain? Right? Well, I, I will tell you a couple things. And the first thing I would say is that your pain and your adversity is the thing that's going to make your art full of beauty. And so there's no, in terms of the artist space, man, you got it all, you got all the ammunition you need to be successful there is that the pain and the diversity. So no worries about that. Um, I love your music. And I think that uh, you could feel uh, the experiences that you've been through and you've been able to communicate that through your song. So if anyone's checking out Mike's music, my favorite song is night on the, the dark side of the man. Um, uh, and a couple other things I would just say the first thing, actually I've had a, a thought recently about, cause we spend a lot of time in our men's community talking about integrity and honor. And the reason we do that is because men are mostly jerks. 
And so if we can get it, if we can get away with it, we probably will try our best to do that. And so building in as a non-negotiable, as the community acceptable standard of behavior of integrity is how we combat that. And so in the same way that I have the capacity to be a shyster, you know, I could, I could screw you over. I have the capacity to do that. I work on my integrity knowing that that's a possibility. It's the same for our mental health. I have the capacity just like you, Mike, and just like my dad and just like your dad and just like the, the random man that we meet on the street, they all have the capacity to be an experience of crisis. You happen to have taken on a ton of different stress and responsibility and stimulus all at the same time. And it sounds to me like a couple of your major coping mechanisms, your self-care, um, kind of like those structures you would lean on, those pillars that you would, you would uh, attach yourself to for support weren't available for you at the time. So it was a, it was a cataclysmic happening all at once. And that's why we, we have circle up so that a man doesn't end up at a point where it all comes crumbling down at the same time. Instead, over the last couple of weeks, you've been able to talk shit about, um, you know, how you've been feeling and, and really just word vomit in front of your men's team about what's happening in your life. So you don't feel like it's all bottled up and you do have nowhere to express it. And then all of a sudden it's like pressure cooking and it explodes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 for the longest time, that was my rationale as well. I'm not saying it's not, ra it's not, not correct, but my argument for everything I was going through was like, it was just a lot of shit at once. Right. Um, and it was, um, I think that the, the hard part to accept is, you know, dealing with a diagnosis, it feels like, um, it feels like a label, right. It feels mm -hmm. like, you know, this is, this is, this is Michael with this, you know, disease. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for a while, I, I was like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want the, the label. I don't want the stigma that comes with it. I stigmatize myself um, in terms of, you know, what the experience was like and what um, the labels, you know, said about my experience. Um, and, you know, I did also, I do also realize that it is a source of strength, you know, being able to, to, to be authentic and, and talk about these things and, and help others who are going through their experiences. I've definitely been able to help more people having had this experience, you know, deal with experiences that they face. Um, and I was blessed to be able to run, you know, as run for president of my students union on a platform that was predominantly about mental health awareness and talk about my experiences in front of my entire school, right. And, and win, which was like, you know, such a blessing and to, you know, input new systems and different groups on campus and resource groups and stuff like that. So it, it's definitely been great in that sense. But the feeling of, um, and maybe this is something that everyone experiences, I have no way of knowing, but the feeling of feeling like a fish in a glass bowl where everyone knows your secrets, but you don't know everyone else's secrets. Like, not to say that I want to know your secrets, but like everyone can just see you so naked and I have to walk through this campus every day now with everyone just seeing me naked, right? And um, That could be a it, good thing for you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it is, it is to a certain extent, obviously, in the right mindset, I think it is a, a blessing because it's like, you know what, I'm free now. I don't have to hide anything. There's nothing for me to be ashamed of. I but in the authentic. wrong mindset, which I definitely had, it's very scary. And it led for me to more paranoia, right? That, that mm -hmm. oh my God, people are talking about me or not even talking, like, not even like I'm thinking they're talking about me, like when I'm not there, just even when I'm there, like feeling like, oh shit, like, you know, it's too awkward for me now to be here. Um, and I'm going to stay here, but I'm going to stay here feeling tons and tons and tons of anxiety and fear and, and awkwardness and not feeling like in my full strength as a man or as a human being. Wow. Um, so that wow. was a lot of my experience. And that honestly, if I'm being frank, like, you know, as much as I, I, I loved my university experience for a lot of the things that it afforded me and the people that I met, it, it, it clouds my, my view of it because of how much pain I experienced and went through um, self-inflicted or otherwise, like just, just being on, on that campus. I really appreciate you talking to me about the, the paranoia and the anxiety and that kind of that internal dialogue, because we all, no matter who we are, have illusions and myths we tell ourselves and stories we tell ourselves about what, about what reality is. But in, all, in, at the end of the day, it's in our head. And at the end of the day, everybody has thoughts in their head. It's just, what's the story you're telling yourself. And the reason why I wanted to pinpoint that, that because it is so crystal clear to me that the Michael Anablu that we're talking to right now has transformed from experiencing that anxiety, from experiencing that, uh, that paranoia into somebody that is 
totally empowered and making a difference in the communities that he's part of. So mad respects for making that transformation. I know that it doesn't happen overnight. I know that it takes time. I know that it takes diligent work and practice and self-care. And so uh, kudos to you, man. I think you're a phenomenal example for someone that um, has, has experienced struggle and even crisis with mental health and has become stronger as a result of it, uh, not damaged goods and nothing that he needs to hide from because everything that you experienced is what every human being has the capacity to experience. And so we're creating... Uh, education around this culture changes around this and programming at circle up so we can tackle uh, you not feeling like you need to go through this alone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I appreciate that, man. Like, I feel like um, a large part of for me, what helped me change was one, I had to feel it for myself. I had to feel like, Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do the things that put me at risk, you know, like just, you know, quitting things like smoking weed or, or just bad habits that can be triggers for me. Um, but then also having like the support of my current girlfriend and my family and mm. people who love me, who really helped me see, okay, how do I want to my life to go? Like how, what kind of life do I want for my kids and the experiences that I want them to go, like to, to see me go through or, or for them to go through um, to really turn and, and look at healthcare in a different light and see like, okay, you know what, let me just try um, what these professionals are saying and, and not be so um, opposed to everything that, that, that comes down. Uh, from a medical guideline perspective and, and really just, you know, work with the medications, but also work with, with the therapy and work with the groups and, and try these different things that are in place to really help in a way where it's not about me just trying to man up and do it on my own, but work with the people who, who, who have studied this and, and want to help. Yeah. And, and not the resource that works for me isn't necessarily the resource that works for you. The counselor that works for me isn't necessarily the counselor that works for you. Just like the diet that works for me isn't necessarily the diet that's going to work for you. So I encourage you to keep trying all sorts of methodologies. And the last thing I'll just, just touch on really briefly, is you mentioned the, the label and the diagnosis, um, the next podcast that I do, I will send to you because Ryan Martin and I, who I'm not sure if you remember, but the first circle up fire, and this is perfect timing because we're going to transition to those final questions about circle up. He was there and he did, he, he was there discussing his experience and work with Jack.org, why he was passionate about mental health, being diagnosed with being bipolar and realizing through meditation and counseling and therapy and medication that he was not somebody that had bipolar, but he was someone that was experiencing the symptoms of bipolar, um, kind of reframing it that way for himself and realizing that there was legitimate strategies and methodologies and tools that he could use to, um, to manage his symptoms and to feel amazing. And now he's diligently applying them and he needs to keep an eye out for uh, the behavior patterns that would send him in a spiral. So I just wanted to, to say again, like the strength in you is clear to me and I could tell that, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of methodologies that we could try that may work for me, but may not work for you and vice versa. Yeah, for sure. And I totally agree with that. I remember Ryan speaking at that, that first circle meeting and that did touch me. Um, cause I respect that. I feel like for me, I know that when I work out and you know, when I meditate and, and eat well, like I'm a much better person, I'm much more. Really? <laughs> you feel better? Yeah, <laughs> they really work. Um, yeah, we should. <laughs> but um yeah it's just it's just when i'm not on top of my game that um you know I, I i i tend to have more issues and then when i start doing things that aren't good for me then i really have issues um but i think it's it's really about you know as, as you said and as ryan uh ryan as you alluded to what ryan was saying um it's just being diligent right um you know so something that comes easy it's like you got to work at it and that goes back to our initial conversation around health right like physical health if you're not staying on top of it, it will slip, right? Like it doesn't just stay there because you got there once. Um, so it's the same thing with mental health. I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a process and you've got you to really be on the journey and, and taking the right steps on the journey and not once, not twice, but every day, right? Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a good practice. And, I, and one other thing I'll say is that reframing the conversation around, you know, I don't have X, Y uh, diagnosis. I just have, I have the symptoms of those diagnoses. I'm experiencing uh, it. I'm experiencing it, right? Not to say that you don't, you're not um, dealing with that particular diagnosis. It's just to say that you aren't your diagnosis. Um, That's exactly it. It's funny. I did a, a, it is, I I did a, I did a campaign with Bell Let's Talk in university that um, um, we used it shortly. I don't know what ended up happening with it, but um, it was basically about that, that exact theme, right? Like, um, 
I am a brother, I am a friend, I am X, Y, Z, right? I am not my mental health, right? Um, and the idea just being that, you know, this is, this is an aspect of my life, but it's not encompassing of who I am. Um, and so for sure, I, I resonate with that. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to always acknowledge that, but it's definitely something that's worth acknowledging because it does help reframe the way we view things um, from, from, from a within perspective, going back to the master key system and just controlling the, you know, I, I, I can be what I will to be. It all comes back to the master key system. <laughs> Everyone should read that book. Hey, get on it. What you waiting for, baby? Get on it. Um, I'm excited to talk about Circle Up Man because you made such a big difference in that community. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, kind of that headline of better brother, better husband, better father. We're thinking about that in Circle Up. In Circle Up, we teach five self-sufficiencies. So physical, spiritual, um, emotional, financial and the last one i wanted to touch was the the mental self-sufficiency so those are the things to pay attention to i'm glad we were able to cover mental health on this call it means a lot to me um, it's one of my big passions i've spent a lot of time advocating for better education in across canada so thank you for participating i didn't realize that you had such a deep reservoir of knowledge and background so i'm um, pumped to have you here maybe we could talk a little bit more about that mental uh, mental health self-sufficiency now we can build some programming out for that but in the meantime the last questions I've got for you, man, is around Circle Up. Um, can you just t just walk us through, like, where did you start and what has your journey been since you began participating in the programs? Yeah, for sure. So um, I did start as a result of you, good sir. Um, so you invited me to uh, the Circle Up meeting and I was curious. I, I won't lie to you. I, I, was, I was more impressed with who you are as a person. And so I was like, you know what, I want to do it because I know you're, you're about it. And, you know, I like, I like what you're about. So I want to check this out um, but I was Thanks, pleasantly surprised at the benefits and the people that I got to meet and that I still get to talk to to this day um, you know it was a, it was a great experience being by the fire for that first meeting and and just meeting all the different men and and the diversity of people and um, you know how it's touched all their different their lives and the people who are new who are looking for an experience to help them grow because uh, I'm always looking to grow as well so um, that was the start for me um, and it's progressed to this day where we we actually had a fire a campfire meeting uh, yesterday. Um, and so that was, that was great just being on my team and, you know, now being the leader of my team and, and getting to help organize, you know, what our, our team does and what we talk about um, and just being a part of the growth of all these men and them being a part of my growth. Um, so for me, it's been, it's been really great just getting to have the accountability um, of people who, who know what I, I want in my life and, uh, are there to help me get there and, and me help others get to where they want to get to, to be the man they, they truly want to be. Um, so that's been incredible. Um, I also, I also that's love amazing. it. Because, yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a giant support system. Like I feel like, you know, if I put anything out with music, like everyone's like, man, that's awesome. They hey, check it you're out. sharing it. Yeah. Liking it, commenting. Yeah. Like it, it's great to, to have that feedback, but it's also great just to be like, you know, I'm working on my physical health. And it's like, well, how's that going? Like, you know, what are some of the steps you're taking? Where are you falling weak? Um, what are some tools we can use to make sure that we're on track? Um, things like that. And then being able to support other men in areas that I don't necessarily have uh, concerns in anymore, but I remember when I had those concerns that they have. So it's like, oh, here's some of the things I've learned on my journey that might be able to help you and be able to give that back and, and, and grow as a, as a unit. Um, so it's been, it's been cool to really understand and experience the idea of, you know, as, as said in circle up, we don't, we don't man up, we circle up, right. We really hey. come and grow as a unit. So, um, I'm, I'm with that. And I've definitely tried to recommend it to uh, some of my friends who I think would benefit from it. Um, you know, not all of them have taken the uh, bit down on it yet, but I think, uh, you know, if, if they ever feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trying it the way I've been trying. It. I want to try something new. Then it, the door will always be open to them because I think it's a, it's a good use of your time. And it's a, it's a huge opportunity to really become, the best version of yourself. Couldn't agree more. And actually one of the leaders that helped start team mango, John Pereira has moved on and he's helping to start another team and kind of kickstart that same action. And so if you have any friends interested in circle up and participating in John's team, it's going to start September 14th. The only other question I had for you is if you were to explain circle up to someone that's never heard of it, how would you describe it? Yeah, this is actually how I always describe it. Um, I look at Circle Up the way that, uh, and the way I understand it in terms of its goal 
is uh, to help men uh, become the men that we truly want to be and remove the barriers to getting there, right? And to me, I don't think there's anything nobler as a cause, at least in terms of this kind of like self-improvement and, and growing it as part of a group, than identifying that we don't want you to be like us. We want you to be who you want to be. Amen. The things that are blocking you from getting there. And I think everyone can relate to that. Like there's always that vision of, man, I wish I was X or I really want to get to Y or I always saw myself doing this. And we, for whatever reason, know what we want. We know who we want to be, but we have things that stop us from getting there. And I feel like if there's a group dedicated to helping remove those barriers to getting there and helping you get to that person, then, you know, why would you say no, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to say no to that. I want to say yes, because then it just makes me accountable to the fact that, you know, I have a responsibility now to really get to that person. Um, it's not just about what I've been thinking about in my head. It's actionable. It's out there. There's, there's people here who, who know about it and want to help me get there. Um, and that's one of the big things I, I really like about John Pereira is that he really helped me see that in terms of, um, you know, just sharing with him some ideas of, and goals for the future and who I want to be in this world. And then having his full faith in that I could be that person. It was like, oh, well, no, nah, that's scary because it's not just an idea. <laughs> like, shit, like, you, you know, and you like it and you, you want me to get there. Oh, okay. I guess I really got to put some effort in and, and make it happen. Right. So yeah. You said that you weren't sure if you were more scared of his belief in you or inspired by it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's, it's like, holy shit, like you're really running with this. <laughs> He's really um, running with that Mike O project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's cool though, right? Like, cause it's, it's, uh, it feels more like reality and um, you know, reality can be scary, especially when something you really want. I think that's why we have that, that idea of the fear of success. Right. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal being part of this group and, Sometimes my girlfriend will be like, oh, you do so many things. Like, you know, why do you do all these things? And I'll be like, yeah, it's a lot sometimes. But whenever I go to those things, like whenever I go to the meetings or whatever, and I, I hear the content and we have the discussions and, you know, we, we, we go deeper into some of these topics, you know, one-on-one -on -one and stuff. It's like, man, this is invaluable. Like, you know, not everyone is, is having these conversations. And whether they are or not, that's not really the point. The point is really that I'm now having this conversation and it's adding value to my life and the lives of people around me. So. Um, it's wonderful for that reason. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'll just add one of the philosophies that I've changed in my life recently is I thought that self-care was about me. And I actually realized that when you, Mike, take care of you, you're actually taking care of me because I'm part of your circle and in your environment. So keep doing it, man. Keep doing the work. It's helping me. And I will keep taking care of myself for you. I uh, couldn't be more uh, it just really touches my spirit frankly when you describe circle up the way you do and what our mission is what our purpose is because it lines exactly with my purpose and why i do this work and i couldn't be more fucking proud so that's awesome thanks for, thanks for thanks for being part of it man you're welcome man thank you for having me on board um you started something great man and and you should really be proud um <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing something that's, that's touching lots of people and people that I don't even think you get the chance to, to really talk to on a daily basis or really get to know deeper. But as a result, you're helping us get to know each other deeper. And, um, you know, we got to give kudos to you and mad respect. So buddy, thanks. that's why I'm doing the show, bro. <laughs> I'm doing the show so I can get some rec goddamn recognition. Um, <laughs> well, we recognize you, bro. We know what you're doing. And, you know, keep it up, man. You're doing a good thing in this world. Thanks buddy. Um, just to close off, this has been uh, really time well spent. I've really enjoyed it. I love getting to know you a little bit better, man. I just wanted to share um, one last question for you right here, which is what's the number one discipline that's pulling you towards the man you've always wanted to be? Um, we typically speak in our circle, the language of daily discipline as a result of shaping our moral character and taking ownership of our direction. Do you have one right now? Yeah, for sure. I've been, so thanks to, again, one of your introductions, uh, I've been connecting with my buddy, Dian, uh, who I met hey. in Circle Up. Yeah, mm. man. Dian, Dian is a man. Like he's popping, baby. He goes hard. Um, so we have accountability calls every Sunday. And what we do is we set goals for what we want to get done that week. And then we review the goals that we set the previous week and, you know, discuss, you know, did we make it? Why or why not? And what did we learn so that we can take it to our next goal? Um, and so right now, uh, I've said, usually what I said as my goal is I, I'll say, okay, I want to work uh, on music three days this week um, or three times. And um, 
I will use that as a reference point to say, okay, well, not only is it helping me get to the place that I want to be in my life and, you know, make the impact that I'm trying to have in this world, but it's also something that I don't want to let DN down. I don't want to let myself down. I want to be responsible and get it done. And it's built up a habit, which is what I really want. And funny enough, before this, I was always worried, like, man, I have all these big dreams, but I don't even write every day. Like, how am I going to get there if I'm not even writing every day? And that's the thing I say I really want to be doing. And now it's like, I can't wait. Like, when we're done with this call, I'm going to go write. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to get back to my notebook. And, you know, I'm really excited about the progress I'm making. And it feels great. And um, a lot of that is attributed to, you know, having those accountability calls at the end. And, and really, you know, you know, as sad as it is, the things that have happened with COVID, they've really helped me to see, like, okay, I have so much more free time because I'm not commuting. But what am I going to do with it? Am I going to just sit? sit and watch Netflix or am I going to work towards the life that I really want? You um, definitely could sit and watch Netflix. Oh yeah, I tried. It's so boring after a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, working on music is exciting and it fills my soul. So I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> um, it's your soul being filled fills us. Thanks, so man. Please, please continue. Uh, I'll just end with a James Clear quote, which a mutual friend of ours, Johnny Lowe, shared on his Instagram that I just love. He said that if you ever want to break a habit or start a new good habit, like writing for you as an example, join a community where that behavior is the normal, where it's expected, and it'll automatically become your new behavior. And so the fact that you know, you're part of circle up teams, you're holding each other accountable, you're making commitments and you're following through on them with the intention of being honorable with your word, um, you know, that's the, that's the path. That's the path, man. And I'm glad that it's shaping uh, who you're becoming, because like I said, you're going to be able to shape a lot of who we're becoming. Thanks, man. And Hey, right back at you. Uh, clearly what you filled your soul with and, and started with this, with this circle up is filling all of our souls. So, um, you know, can't say enough good things about you, bro. Thank you for doing this. And, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Got it. I appreciate it. If you're listening and you're interested in the Circle Up programs, I think Mike O is a shining example of what is possible. We've got um, a program starting September 14th led by John Pereira. So if you are interested, he is the master of no bullshit. He will call you out. He will hold you to a higher standard. I highly encourage you to participate. And uh, until next time, my friends, and uh, until next time, Mike. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care. Shout out.